Hello and welcome to Rocket's Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by DoorDash. I am Simone de Rochefort, a video producer of Polygon.com, and I'm here today with Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate for Microsoft, who has returned from her world kidnapping tour. Yes, I am no longer kidnapped. I am back in... what what city am I in? I'm in Seattle. I'm in Seattle. Um, I know where I am physically. Who are I just, you? Where are you? This is the question. So my uh, saga coming home from Sydney uh, was complicated, to say the least. I oh, complicated and yet attractive. Amazing, uh, totally. Christina. So yes, okay. So the backstory is: I was supposed to be in Singapore this week, but our conference was canceled because of concerns over the coronavirus. So, but. The thing is, is that although I could get certain refunds were available on travel um, to Singapore, but those were usually waivers that were issued if you were traveling, if your travel originated from the United States. Oh. My travel originated in Australia, which did not have any waivers. So I um, flew from Sydney to Singapore. I spent a few hours in Singapore. Then I flew from Singapore to Seoul. I spent um, like 10 hours in Seoul. And then I flew from Seoul to Seattle. Wow. Um, But on the Sydney to Singapore leg, I upgraded myself using far too many American Express points. (laughs) Actually, that's not even true. It was worth it. It was worth literally using every American Express point I have I flew Singapore Airways uh, A380 um, in in first class suites, and uh, it was Simone. I I didn't ever want to get off the airplane. Like it was the most amazing travel experience. I saw of my photos life. of you like belted into a bed drinking yep. champagne, and I yep. thought that's who I want to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they gave me they gave me not one bear but two bears. I got they gave like you little teddy bears. They gave me little teddy bears. I had lobster. I had a lot of Dom uh champagne. I had my choice between Dom and Krug. And uh <laughs> I I know. I like I'm like, I don't know. I mean, like it was it was unreal. Like, it was so nice. One of each, please. That's what they did. They came. They like gave me the they gave me the flight. It was amazing. Shut like they gave me the front door. Yeah, they, they like came like before we took off. They're like, would you like to try the other one? I was like, sure. And they're like, which one do you prefer? And I was like, I like the Dom. And they're like, we'll keep bringing it to you. And they like never stopped bringing it to me for like I eight have hours. Two questions. Yes. One, how many hours was the Sydney to Singapore leg? Eight. That's a good amount of time to be in first class. Two, can I ask how many American Express points this cost? So for the one-way trip, um, I was not able to get the saver fare. The saver fare would have been less. It was 92000 Holy crap. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Good to know. Glad I know. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, if you're able to get the sign-up bonuses and, 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 you know, use, like, some of the multiples when you can earn multiple points for stuff, you can make – anyway, it was Are it was a lot. Are you basically saying that all, all the episodes of Rocket last year – that you had to miss because you were traveling for Microsoft's Ignite tour. Are you saying this was 1000% worth it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I I believe you. I'm so happy for you. I'm glad you were able to do that. Yeah, I I I'm I'm I still kind of in shock. It was it was an amazing experience and uh and thank you for uh letting me Miss rocket episode. All I'm asking, Sorry. You, you give me, give your, give your buddy Simone a little kickback. Throw a few thousand points my way. Okay. <laughs> no, I will never have that many, enough points to fly first class because I haven't chosen an airline. I have no loyalty. 
I have to have well, brand I don't loyalty. I, well, I don't either. So what I did is you, you transferred the American Express points to the Singapore Air um, uh, program. Oh. So they, so they transfer one to one. So I, I don't have any loyalty with Singapore. I've never flown with them. And they're part of Star Alliance, which is like United. And I don't with an United. So um, uh, this was literally just a one to one point transfer thing where I had American Express points, which like Chase Ultimate Rewards points. Sorry, listeners, we're going to go into credit card talk for a second. Welcome to Rocket, our podcast about getting credit card points fast. Exactly. And so the thing with um, American Express uh, um, uh, member rewards points and with um, uh, Chase Ultimate Rewards points is they have transfer partners and the better ones have like a one-to-one transfer ratio and sometimes even higher. And Singapore is one of the um, places that has a one-to-one transfer with a, with Amex. So you earn your Amex points like separate from any loyalty with a hotel chain or whoever else. And then you can transfer them to Delta or Singapore or United or, you know, American or, or whoever. Um, and, and it can be a really good way of actually, like if I paid cash for the ticket, it would have been significantly more than the value of the points. Would have been more than a house. Thank you, Basically. the points guy. It was so nice to have you on as a guest. <laughs> uh, now let's talk about some tech news. So first we're going to have a quick update on a previous story. And then for the rest of the show, we're going to talk about kinds of exciting new models of phones we're going to talk about that new generation of folding phones that you've seen reviews of and we're going to talk about a prototype from tcl that excites me and then finally at the end of the show we are going to talk about something that Mm -hmm. i forgot about what is it uh movie pass movie uh, movie phone Movie, movie phone, phone. yeah, but well, 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 but it's there is a connection. There's a connection. Oh. The movie pass saga is not over yet. Is basically what we're saying. It is the saga that never ends. But we'll start with our quick update. So this is a story about the Ring cameras. If you remember, previously in December, it was reported that uh, the security on the Ring cameras was basically non-existent in that it didn't tell you how many people were logged in at a time or where those people were. Um, and there was no two-factor authentication on the Ring cameras. And these are, of course, cameras that are in your home or outside your home, ostensibly protecting you from being burgled upon, more likely spying on your neighbors. Um, but that that aside, uh, Ring has finally jo- joined the 21st century by allowing TFA on their phones but it's in the form of a uh, one-time a six-digit code being sent via email or SMS. And they are notifying you when people do log into the Ring Cameras account. So A, a step in the right direction. B, still doesn't support authenticator apps or hardware keys. Christina, how do we feel? Yeah, I mean, I guess it, well, um part of me would like to say it's better than nothing. And the part that's better than nothing is not the the TFA, in my opinion. It's the email notification when someone logs in. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually like pretty decent, especially with something like this uh, and table stakes. The, 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 the TFA thing, I have an issue with when it's only email and it's only SMS because yep. that in some cases, especially the SMS version can, can be less secure in some ways, right? Because all someone then needs to do is, is, do a SIM hijacking, which is unfortunately remarkably easy. And then they can get access to all your stuff. And if they got access to your, you know, 
phone, they could presumably even get access to your email where the, where the code could come to. And I, in general, I just think that sending um, a, a, a TOTPs, you know, one-time use uh, keys, I think sending those to email is a bad idea. Steam does that too, which is frustrating. Mm-hmm. Oh, Steam it's so at least, annoying. Steam is terrible. At least Steam has an authenticator app, I guess. Uh, but but like Steam does it. You know, there are other places who do it. Um, PayPal has recently um, introduced proper TFA, um, which it took them forever, which as a, a, a banking institution, they have even less, in my opinion, like rationale for that. So, but th- it bothers me that this is, this is how they're implementing it. It's not supporting like, okay, you're doing the, the, uh, one-time password codes. So they're using some sort of generating thing to send this out, but rather than supporting an open standard, like the, you know, that the Google, um, uh, you know, authenticator uses an Authy and the Microsoft authenticator and other tools or to also, and those all are also supported by hardware keys like like UBKey mm-hmm. and other things. Rather than doing that, they're just like taking. It's like they just were like, okay, what's the it's what's so the weird. cheapest way? It, it's so weird that they would go through the trouble of implementing this, but then not implement it up to the best practices standards. And I think yeah. it's, it's great that they have made this change because, like we said, it is hard to expect just your your regular like average person like 100 percent of people to be completely up to date on what the their best practices are and what their responsibilities are for keeping safe especially when what they are buying is something that they are hoping will keep them safe um right so like good on uh ring for making starting to make this change but why not do it up to date yeah, I mean, I will say I do think that in some ways what might actually be more useful to people than the the TFA thing, although people should definitely install that, is the fact that you would get an email when someone logs yes, in. Yes, I am a huge fan of that. I think that, that that was another thing where it's like, well, why why in the world would you not be able to see how many people are logged onto your account and where in the world? Like, that's a I thank goodness that they have changed. That. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's like Netflix does it, and I'm like, I don't care, but it's useful, you know, because what I mean, like. And, and in real talk, like of all the accounts that somebody you know could break into, Netflix is like the the lowest. Please probably. break into my Netflix. Don't. I, don't I, actually. I, I mean, the reason that I'd be mad about that would just be I'm like, if you use my profile and you mess up my recommendations, then I'm going to be pissed. But <laughs> otherwise, like, I okay, fine. But you know, I get an email every time a new device has connected with that or it's located from a, a another mm-hmm. location. Um, and usually it's because I'm in another country, and I'm like, yeah, I know, I'm in a hotel right now. But um, I I think that for Ring, that's actually a, a use case where it makes a ton of sense, especially since most of the people who who use this, as you pointed out, are not going to maybe be the most tech savvy. That's why they're buying the product. If they're getting alerts, you know, saying that this has been accessed and this is where, that's a really good indicator that maybe something else is going on. And so I'm I'm hopeful that even if people don't en- enable the two factor authentication and and even if the two factor authentication isn't as good as it could be, that this other mm-hmm. thing is is a good step um in yeah. towards protecting people. So I'm happy with that. There's another like minor aspect of this that I want to touch on. It's not minor. Uh Ring's control center now lets you stop sharing data with third parties used to create Ooh. personalized ads. Nice. So now, now, can you uh, can you opt out of uh, it being shared with uh, third parties like law enforcement? Ah, uh, probably not. Moving on to topic <laughs> two. 
<laughs> Sorry, let me just briefly say it is freaking, I, I am just, I want to die. I, my soul wants to leave my body when I think about the fact that a security camera that I put in my home could be uh, used to create personalized ads for me. So the fact that you can opt out now does not necessarily make me happier. It just makes me more miserable. Foldable <laughs> phones. Reviews for the uh, motor, the foldable Motorola Razor and the Samsung Galaxy Z Flip are out in the wild. And initial, I, we we have so much to talk about here. So I'll set the stage by reminding you that foldable phones, I'm excited about. This is the yeah. second generation of foldable phones, and they have just as many problems as the first as you'll remember last year samsung's first foldable phone um broke (laughs) but then motorola was like oh we're getting back in the game we're bringing back the razor it's got this this like classic razor look and it's not a horizontally folding right it's a vertical phone it's a vertical vertical. phone yep um so reviews for that are out now um and 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 then samsung surprised us all with the galaxy uh fold z galaxy z flip is that sorry galaxy z flip thank you so that that happened like so like razor showed theirs off everybody was like oh my god it looks so good and then like samsung like came out of nowhere like last week and they were like, like we can do it, it too out. we can both have vertical phones the main the huge difference between these physically is that the motorola has a plastic screen over oled and then the samsung phone has a folding glass which is wild to me However, let's start with the problems of the Motorola Razor. Uh, people are reporting, well, Raymond Wong, who currently writes for Input, was reporting that after some very little use, just normal usage, his plastic screen has started separating out from the back. Yeah. Um, which is not good. Input has had the phone for like a week. And The Verge is not experiencing problems like that, but even so, the review is saying basically for what is a $1,500 phone, um, it is it's simply not up to the standards that we might compare other phones to. It doesn't feel as good to use because of mm-hmm. the natural bumps on the screen. They actually, Dieter, in his review, actually critiqued the creaking sound that the hinge makes when he opens yeah. it. I like it. I do, too. Um, and and Joshua Topolsky, who's a raised boss at um, Input Mag and was uh, the founder of, of, of The Verge, um, he also reviewed the phone and he also, like, recorded the audio of the creak. And so it was funny that, like, a lot of the, a lot of the, the people have really, like, focused on the sound of the, of the creak doesn't bother me. I kind of like it. Uh, I'm with you, but it doesn't I also... bother me at all because I feel like part of I one thing that we really don't have with phones right now is a sense of a, a, a true tactile yes. sense of them. They're that's so what, smooth. No, you're like you're totally reading my mind because that's the problem, right? I think this is why this whole idea kind of appealed to me. This is why I wanted the razor to be so good because I was like, yes, you know, I, I actually think that the design looks kind of retro and timeless at the same time. Mm-hmm. And having, as you said, kind of that tactical kind of feeling, I'm like, you're, we're bringing something slightly more analog to our fully digital world. Like, I'm into it, right? Um, so mm-hmm. I wasn't bothered by that. What I am bothered by is, you know, the the potential for for the screen, which um, on the Motorola, it's, it's plastic, um, which is one of the reasons why, obviously, it can fold the way it can. And um, also why it, uh, there are sometimes like lumps and bumps in um, the bumps. way that it works. 
But what it's really concerning, like Motorola spent all this time because, you know, they uh, there were some like CNET had a video where they showed how they were bending the, the hinge and, and showing how many times it could be bent without, you know, whether it could live up to, to Motorola's claims and the Motorola like clap back and they were like, no, but our, our testing was done this way. I'm like, I don't care about that, right? Like, mm-hmm. in, I'm going to believe you that you've done your work to say the hinge works. What I'm more concerned about is the fact that it seems like, and this actually has happened with the um, the Galaxy Flip Z as well. Is that what it's called? The Galaxy, Galaxy Flip Z? Galaxy Z Flip. I'm sorry. Your oh, brain sorry. is still in Singapore. It's fine. It is. The Galaxy Z Flip. Um, both of them seem to, ha- to be exhibiting some issues. Maybe it's around temperature change is what people are thinking. Mm-hmm. That's what Ray's thought is why the phone that they had access to after a week of very ginger usage started to basically kind of separate itself. And it's not great. So mm-hmm. I the don't know. case with the Galaxy Z Flip was somebody who had purchased the phone and took it out of the box and folded it one time and it cracked. Yeah. Um, and like like Christina said, people are suspecting like maybe it's because maybe it's from opening it in cold weather and then taking it inside and opening it in there. Uh, Motorola did get back to Ray Wong after his write up about the weird bubble in the Motorola screen and said, we do temperature testing like it it survived all of these conditions. Uh, Raymond Wong points out that's not necessarily the same. He like he believes that they did the temperature testing. That's not in question, but real world use is exactly. always going to be unpredictable and complicated. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it really does seem like. And look, we're we just don't know. I fully believe that they've tested this thing and that in their laboratory conditions it worked. But I think I don't, I'm not sure who it was. It might have been. Josh Topolsky, in his review for Input, it might have been Dieter, but it feels like somebody made this comment, and I think it's completely accurate. It feels like these companies are using, like, the public to be their beta testers. Yeah. Like, and and that bothers me because I actually really do feel like there's some potential with this form factor. And I know a lot of people are like, well, what's the point? It's just smaller. I'm like, right. To me, that would be enough. Like, just the fact that I could... Yeah. make this smaller to carry around like to my have phone. a big I phone like. but to have it also be small exactly to me that is genuinely enough because i i shocker to listeners out there i know you'll all be so surprised but uh simone and i don't have uh man-sized pants with really big pockets mm-hmm. yeah that's I, true. I, and brianna doesn't either and so yeah for i don't as know as far like 50, as we know as far as we know sort of like 50 percent of the population Having big phones is great, except they don't fit in our pants. So for me, that would be a really good reason to have this. But it does feel like what's happening is there are these $1,500 devices that basically haven't had any real-world testing, that the companies are basically just kind of fighting with one another to see who can get it out first. Mm -hmm. And the public is the guinea pigs. And to me, that's really scary because the public's not going to respond well to that. And early adopters are not going to be happy if what they buy doesn't work well. Uh, and in the case of, of the, uh, gal- oh, excuse me, of the razor, the camera is not good. You know, there are a lot of trade-offs. And so, mm-hmm. and nor is you know, the battery life and it comes bundled with a bunch of Verizon apps. Right. Right. So it's like, it's not a good phone. The, you know, clamshell feature makes noise, which you may or may not like. The screen is flimsy and isn't something you can really rely on that we've seen as already coming apart. And feels unpleasant to the touch. And by the way, we're not happy about this because we... 
I wanted one. <laughs> I genuinely wanted one. Especially would like this is a person who was born to buy a Motorola Razor in 2020. Yes. Yes. I was so excited. My mom was even, it was so funny. My mom was really excited. She'd heard about it and she was so excited about the idea. And then she found out it ran Android and she was like, ah, never mind. Boo. Uh, which is hilarious. But love you know, her. but this is but this is what's hilarious to me. I, I love her too. But I was so proud that she kept up with this stuff independently of me and that she was excited about the phone. But what does bother me is that. I would love Apple or someone else to come out with something like this. I think that is a good idea. My fear is that what happens when you kind of release these unfinished versions out to the public and you charge $1,500 for Mm -hmm. them is that the public is going to just like dismiss the whole idea and be like, oh, we don't want any of that. And then you'll never have the perfected version, right? Like, Because I I get it. This sort of screen um, folding, bending technology is going to take a long time to develop and to get better. I I completely understand that. My fear is just, I don't want the innovation that comes with that technology, whether it's in flip phones or in some other use case. I don't want that to be hampered because companies are so eager to productize something that's honestly not ready for market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this has got to be super disappointing for the people who worked on the phone as well as the early adopters, because I feel like you, you don't want your product to go out there if, if you're the one who built it when it's just not ready yet. And like, I still get super excited when whenever we get to do a, a foldable phone topic, because I'm like, yay, I'm glad that they're still trying to make it work because it interests me. Um, but I, I want it. I want it to be good. I want it to work. Yep. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by DoorDash. Delivery is more than just pizza in 2020, baby! With a selection of your favorite flavors from across the globe, DoorDash lets you order world cuisine, all from the comfort of your living room with DoorDash. Getting your meal delivered means you can take time back to your day ah, to finish that project, get in that workout, or finish up with chores, my favorite. Ordering is super easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you, wherever you are. Your favorite restaurant is probably already on DoorDash, but there are over 310,000 restaurants in over 4,000 cities, with door-to-door delivery in all 50 states, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia. You can order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. Or insert regional equivalents if you are in Canada and Australia and Puerto Rico. I don't know. Um, I The last time I used DoorDash was when I was in LA and I wanted to have that curry that I've been told about forever but I just simply did not have time to go to the restaurant and order the curry and then either eat it there or take it back to my hotel. And also I didn't want to like use the, the the greenhouse gases that it would take me to do that useless thing when I could have somebody who's already like going around doing this as their job delivered to me. So I got that curry that I've been told to eat forever and ever and it was worth it. 
I right. love it. Thank you. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code ROCKET. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code ROCKET. Download the app now and start planning your dinner. Don't forget that's promo code ROCKET for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Thank you so much, DoorDash, for your support of ROCKET and all of Relay FM. Well, I've got some exciting prototype news, Christina. What is that? Well, let me tell you. As I put links in our show notes, CNET has published leaked images that show a TCL prototype phone that has not a folding display, but a slide-out display. I love this so much. So this is a prototype that was going to be shown at Mobile Mobile World Congress, which has unfortunately been canceled, um, much like Christina's Congress conference because of coronavirus fears. Uh, But the images were published on CNET and they're being passed around. It shows a what looks like a regular phone. I would compare it probably more to like the Samsung phones with the screen that extends over the curved edges of the phone. But then... In the second image, it looks like a, a phablet, more like the um, the original Samsung Fold uh, with the horizontal fold where it folded yes. out into a tablet size. But yes. apparently what they are demonstrating here is a phone where you can you slide out the back half and somehow it becomes a seamless screen. So in a way, there is a fold there. It's just not in the it's in a totally different direction. A third kind of folding phone. I'm I'm into it again. Like I said, it I mean, all we see based on what CNET has are renders, which yep. obviously are not real world use cases. And TCL has shown off, I believe it was at CES, they show they showed off one of their other prototypes for a folding phone that they also want to release. But this one, I'm with you. I think this is incredibly interesting because it's kind of I don't know. It's like, a, you know, like some of those magic tricks where you just like pull something out and it gets longer or yeah. whatever. I don't know. I'm kind of into it. Yeah. And I, I think because uh, we've just been talking about how we are afraid that the public is being used to beta test phones. This is kind of their third iteration where at Mobile World Congress, they showed a foldable prototype that was apparently The Verge says it was, quote unquote, so fragile that even TCL's own staff were warned off from touching it. And then this year at CES, they showed a foldable prototype that they did allow people to touch, said they were taking it slow. And then now we are being shown another iteration of, I mean, what is not called a folding phone, but it would essentially have a fold, like if it extends seamlessly into a tablet. I guess it's rolled is what it more is like, right? Guess, so, yeah, that's yeah, that's probably the right word. But um, it's not out. It's a prototype. So I, I approve. I approve. J'approve. What I like about this is that this seems to be using the tech that uh, listeners will remember that I liked. I liked the TV. Brianna did not like the TV, the the rollable, the foldable oh. TV from, from Samsung or LG or whoever. That I'm a big fan of, right? So that's the one where it can kind of extend from the ceiling or extend from below and it rolls out and all of a sudden you have your TV that was hidden away and and now is taking up lots of glorious space. I have a feeling this is using similar technology 
albeit probably much less expensive and maybe less tested. But to me, that's interesting because we have seen those rollable OLED stuff from Samsung in their TVs in big sizes. And so I don't know, like I'm being, we just spent 20 minutes talking about how we feel used and abused (laughs) with these foldable phones. And yet here I am jumping to the hype train again. I'm into it though. I'm I'm glad. I I think uh, I think it was Dieter at the Verge who wrote something about how like foldable phones are good because every other phone is boring right now. Yeah, and that's completely accurate. That's me. I'm like I'm like into all this stuff because I am so bored with slabs. Like we've literally had a decade of slab, more than a decade, mm-hmm. thirteen years since the iPhone. Like every phone is has become basically identical. So yeah, I, they can you can only innovate so much within a rectangle. Completely, completely. I mean, unless uh, we could do like the office, what was it? The uh, the power of the pyramid, the, <laughs> the, the, the saber pyramid. Remember that? I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it was so good. This was like Dwight had to give off a sales thing where he shows off the saber tablet, which is terrible. And it's shaped like a pyramid and it's called the power of the pyramid. Oh and then apparently God. there's a phone too. And the thing is, is like it needed all these battery packs and memory boosters. It was really terrible. I'll find the clip and, well, see, and there send you it go. to you. That's not a rectangle at all. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So we need power of the pyramid, but like I need things like that is what I'm saying. Yeah. And if I had to rank them, obviously I, the one, my ideal folding phone or rolling phone, whatever, my ideal different form factor for a phone would be the Z Flip because I love that it folds into just like a tiny little square that is so attractive to me. But this guy looks hot. I'm Mm -hmm. into it. I'd carry him in my purse or my pocket in the winter when I have the big pockets. I don't know what I do with it in the summer when I don't have any pockets at all, but I'd find a way. And then wouldn't you feel kind of, I would feel like Star Trek-esque or I don't know. I feel like I was in some sort of (gasps) futuristic TV show being able to pull it out and be like, yes, let me look at my map. Christina, what kind of sound do you think it would make? Because honestly, okay, like, okay, remember... I, I'm not going to be able to remember the kind of phone it was, but I had one of those phones where um, the top slid up and then the keyboard was yeah. on the bottom. Yes. And that just felt so nice, like the sliding sound that that made and then the click as it finished opening. Did you have a sidekick? I don't think it was a sidekick. No. But um, it was like that. But, but it was like that. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, no, that, you're not wrong. And those were those were cool phones. Remember when keywords on phones man please don't get nostalgic about that too christina we can't oh, take I'm not. it i are you kidding me keyboards and phones were genuinely the worst i'm just saying they that were, now that's things- the sound i hated the sound of like pressing those tiny stupid little rubber keys terrible yeah. but the sound of the sliding and the clicking the sliding very that, good yeah would that's love good. to see phone developers bring that back do we know anything what do you know about tcl's track record with phones so far well they're a really big phone maker but they typically don't sell in the United States. Mm-hmm. So they most recently, it's funny, speaking of keyboards, they very recently ended their relationship with BlackBerry. But for three years, they had like a licensing partnership with the BlackBerry. So they, the BlackBerry, uh, not the Priv, uh, the, the Key One and the Key One, uh, the Key Two phones were made by them. And those were, uh, I reviewed the first one. I didn't review the, the second one. And so they had licensed the BlackBerry name and I think uh, some of the the software and like hardware patents and put out more modern like Android-based Blackberries. 
Uh, so that's that's kind of been what they've done in the U.S. And they they go by the they have they also own um, the Alcatel brand. So if you see Alcatel phones, which are again more common mm-hmm. overseas, that's them. But they they've been trying to break into the phone game big time. Like they're one of the bigger phone manufacturers. We, we just don't know about them. Uh, similar to the way you know most people didn't really know anything about Huawei until fairly recently, even though they've been you know selling like gangbusters all over the world. For a long time mm-hmm. now, TCL is really big in TVs, like in in including in the U.S. Like TCL sells a lot of TVs, but on phones, I don't know. And on these types of phones, this is where I'm going to be probably a little bit not pessimistic, but I'm just going to be oh. like, okay, I'm not pessimistic. I'm just being like, I'm not. Sh- this is a prototype, and who knows what this is actually going to be able to deliver on because they don't have the the track record of say a Samsung, right? Where People know them and, and they are a known entity all over the world, even though yeah. they do sell millions of phones. They're not a Samsung. And Samsung, we have two examples of Samsung not doing so well with foldable phones. So that raises some concerns, but I also do think it's interesting. And it look, at this point, as we've seen with the other devices, once one company shows this stuff out, rather shows this stuff off, a lot of other companies want to get in on it too. And I will say, even though the the foldable phones right now are having massive issues. I will say they do seem to be proving, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like the the razor's a failure, and and the uh, Galaxy Z Flip is not maybe super perfect, but it seems a whole lot better than the Galaxy Fold. Yeah, so like tiny victories. I don't know. Tiny victories. Keep working on it, guys. I'm here. I'm ready. But also, really, Apple work on it because I'm still not switching my OS. <laughs> Same, and honestly, also <laughs> Apple because you'll do it correctly, right? Like, oh, I mean, it's kind of like that whole Nintendo thing where they like let other people do a lot of the innovation, and then they're like, "Hmm, now That's a you've great proven point. it works. I'll do it." Yeah, we're they're like, okay, okay, we let you guys try, but if anybody's going to do a switch, it's going to be us. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our final topic of the day. Christina, you brought this one to me. Um, tell me what's going on with Movie Phone. Yeah, so uh, welcome to Movie Phone. Your showtime is, and if you are over the age of, I'd say, I don't know, like 30, you probably don't even know what Movie Phone is. Like, Simone, other than seeing the Seinfeld episodes, you probably are not familiar with the concept of Movie Phone, you are, are you? That is the exact touchstone that I have for Movie Phone. Yes, Okay, so so the Seinfeld episode it was a famous one where where Kramer just uh, starts his own kind of business where people call and he's reading movie times to them and he pretends that he's movie phone. It's very funny, but this was a big thing before the ubiquity of the internet. It was a I remember calling movie phone um, both to find movie times but also to buy movie tickets. Actually, so Ooh. movie phone back in the day there there was a way you could buy your tickets over the phone which was good because you couldn't buy the movie tickets online. So yeah, you could find your movie times online, there but you couldn't buy the no tickets online. online. Well, no, there was online, but there weren't like online payments for the movie theaters. So if you wanted to get your tickets in advance, you, you would need to call, to call movie phone. phone. Right. So movie phone was bought by AOL in 99 for like $400 million or something. And I think most of it was stock. Who knows? Uh, and, and then that was right at like peak, peak, peak dot bomb stuff. And then I believe that it was 
maybe sold to movietickets.com or something else. I'm not really sure. But um, in 2018, Helios and Matheson, also known as the parent company slash uh, maybe fraudsters behind <gasps> movie tickets. I said maybe. I said maybe. <laughs> alleged fraudsters. Alleged by one Christina Warren. I'm not even alleging. I'm just saying maybe. I'm just maybe. bringing it up. Like it, it's be. possible, right? I it, could it, be a it, fraudster. It, 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 we all could be fraudsters. I'm just saying. Uh, we so know Helios, you're a fraudster. This is true. We do know that. So Helios and Matheson bought the company um, for very little money, from what I understand. In in 2018, when they were rolling high, the whole like everybody is is into movie pass thing, and now that Helios and Matheson is over and movie phone or movie pass is over, apparently they've closed it down it's they've said that it's bankrupt they've laid everyone off but there is only one employee sustaining the service so this is the quote from uh slash film uh who's who's reading from variety saying meanwhile tucked away in in the bankruptcy filing was the disclosure that the net book value of movie phones intellectual property is estimated to be uh four million three hundred seventy nine thousand five hundred four dollars um, which is just 1.1% of its value, fine. While MoviePhone is now worth just a pittance of its erstwhile valuation, it's actually one of Helios and Matheson's most valuable assets. The company reported assets of under $10 million in its Chapter 7 filing. So this How is hilarious. does this work? I, I think that the only reason it's worth that much is probably the brand name. I have to think that it's only the brand name is why MoviePhone is still getting uh, on-paper valuation of $4.7 million. And if you go to moviephone.com, the website does still load and they have news and they have like movie, you know, times and tickets. And so what I have to imagine is that there's still a small number of people who go to the website and um, book tickets or get showtimes and either see ads or they get affiliate money from, you know, the, the, the ticket bookings. That's the only thing I can imagine. But basically, they've laid everyone off except for one person who... I don't know what that person is doing. I assume they're just like making sure the website is still up for the time being. I really want to find that person. Me too. And I want to like interview them. Like if you are listening, Lone Movie uh, Phone employee, we will be so happy to have you on the show and also buy you drinks and start a GoFundMe for you or whatever. If, If you need that, like help you find other work. I'm genuine about this, but I would also like love to know what it's like working, um, on movie phone in 2020 when your like bankrupt company that bought you has laid everybody off. Like it's gotta be the most bizarre thing. I think it's pretty likely that the single movie phone employee is listening to a lot of podcasts. In fact, I really hope they are. So I hope you're listening to this movie phone employee. We'd love to give you a name. <laughs> we would. And also like hear your story. Cause this is badass. Uh, also, at this point, like, I I have to imagine that if there are any sort of NDAs or anything that, I don't know, I'm kind of, I'm not positive on the legality of this, so, because I'm not a lawyer and I could be wrong, but I kind of feel like if your parent company files for Chapter 7, even if legally you might still be bound by an NDA, like, in practical circumstances, good luck with them actually taking you to court, because, I mean, they have bigger problems, but I don't know. Not, I'm not encouraging anyone to, to break their NDAs. I'm just saying, if it were me, I would definitely be talking to people. <laughs> oh, man. Do you... Do you can, hmm. I was Googling just briefly um, whether you can still call movie phone. Um, 
And it looks like that is perhaps not the case, which is unfortunate. But I know um, that would be really cool if you could say, hi, and welcome to Movie Phone. (laughs) Your showtime for Titanic is at 405. Thank you for that flashback to the past, Christina. 11 o'clock. Yeah. And that's actually going to be our show this week because we've gone through all our stories and Christina has jet lag and I'm really tired. So let me wrap this one up by telling you, or asking you, by telling you what you're doing. (laughs) Christina, tell me what you're doing. Well, I'm not on an airplane. So that's really exciting. So I'm I'm back at work and I have a bunch of stuff to catch up on and I won't be on an airplane until like the first week of March. Noise. So I've got like, to, I've got like a week and a half-ish before I have to get on a plane again. So that's good. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. Um, Going to be getting back into recording my YouTube videos, youtube.com slash Microsoft Developer. Oh, also, yes. In 2014, 777film, the phone number was shut down um, because I guess uh, AOL shut it down or whatever. Um, or Oath. I guess it was Oath by then. <sighs> Um, uh, but, uh, but it would maintain its mobile app service. And then it was actually purchased by Helios and Matheson for a million dollars in cash and 8 million in stock. Cool. So yeah, for them, whatever (laughs) we love a scamster. Maybe, maybe, maybe we do. We don't know. Um, this week I thought I might have to travel for work, but here I still am in New York city. Um, I'm working on a video retrospective on Minecraft right now, and then um, I will be continuing to work on our Quibi show, Speedrun, which, again, Quibi launches in April. So I've got a lot to do, baby. But uh, hopefully I'll be able to go skiing again this weekend. Where did you go skiing? I went to Okemo last weekend, um, and I'll probably go to Hunter this weekend. Nice. Um now, do you ski a lot? Have you skied before? Or was this your first time? I skied when I was a teenager and I'm picking it back up again. Or the last, I should say, the last time I skied was when I was a teenager. I skied once when I was a teenager and then a couple times when I was a kid. But I'm picking it back up again and it rocks. Turns out it is like riding a bike. You don't forget. And it's just, it's so relaxing and fun and exhilarating all at the same time. And I'm completely hooked. That's awesome. I recommend it. Everyone should learn how. Everyone should spend a silly amount of money because it truly is the most inaccessible sport that I have encountered in my lifetime. Oh, my God. It is actually obscene how much it costs. But um, yeah, last time I was going to go, I just went I wound up not going, but I spent like several hundred dollars on cute ski clothes at REI. REI is such a dangerous place it really is don't go there i know but you know what i do like about rei is that it's all like employee owned or whatever like it's guess what collective or whatever i own rei nice because i bought the 20 dollar membership when i said rei was a hell place i lied it's my happy place but it's (laughs) bad because i go there and money flies out of me (laughs) like a cartoon being punched (laughs) But there's a winter clearance sale for up to fifty percent off according you to their website. Shut your mouth. I don't wanna I don't wanna open the REI app on my phone and see those deals. This episode is not brought to you by REI, because if it were brought to you by REI, they would be giving me money. <laughs> and instead they're just taking 
taking it away from me. Um, but but we are open for sponsors. So if you're REI oh my God. or anyone else. Christina, I'm literally logging into Relay Slack right now, opening up my DMs with Carrie and saying REI. It's 4.03 a.m. where she is apparently. <laughs> Sorry. I love it. Carrie's in charge of this thing. So that's what's happening. Hey, wow. What a good time. Christina, where can we find you online? You can find me at film underscore girl on Twitter and you can find my Instagrams, including my Instagram stories of my hotel room tours, which included very recently uh, the transit hotel that I stayed in for $60. Well worth it oh at the uh, Seoul uh, at the Incheon uh, um, airport at a film underscore girl. And you can find the videos that I stay in. Uh, can't talk. The videos that I do at work at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. Love that. You can find me at twitter.com slash doomquasar and on youtube.com slash polygon where we just had a great interview with Ben Schwartz, the voice of Sonic, go up last week. Nice. It was so goddamn funny. Um, And I was filming that one and it was very – there's one point in the video where you can hear my laugh just kind of explode out of me. Um, But I kept it together for most of it. It's great. Go watch it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I could talk about REI for 15 more minutes, but I yeah. won't. Well, we won't. And I did find a new scam thing that I almost had, had given us, but maybe we can talk about it next week. But basically, there was, like, an Instagram influencer who was doing some, like, money laundering oh over my God. Instagram. Yes. Anyway, it's pretty great. I'm going to send it to you. Love. So we can hopefully talk about it next week. And I'll tweet about this, too, for anyone That'll who's listening. That'll be a great dessert. Yeah. Um, if you like the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, uh, we always appreciate when you share it with friends. Um, last week's episode with Lori Siegel, we're so proud of being able to have had that like interview with her and talk to her about that. So share that one all around the world um, to thank her for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, and hey, this episode of Rocket is terminated. Terminated. <laughs>